To him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his blood and made us kings and priests to God the Father, to him be all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The text, again, for our sermon today is the gospel appointed Matthew 11, especially verse 28, a familiar verse I didn't notice till midweek that on our Missouri Synod's website, this is the memory verse for the week. I didn't even realize we had a memory verse for the week. But this is it. You know this verse, I hope. My kids learned it in Lutheran school. Come to me, Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In his name. I have lived in Texas now for 38 years, by far the majority of my life, and I, I think I'm finally learning the language. <laughs> and you know what I mean. When I first got here in the early 80s, I had to pick up, indeed like everyone, saying y'all and had to learn what somebody told me early on, pastor, y'all is singular, all y'all is plural, right? And there's other Texas idioms that I, I found on the internet today or this week that you all know, especially if you've lived here for any amount of time, you know, if you give some, someone directions, people, Elsewhere in the country don't understand this. You just go down the road a piece. What is a piece? Or if you, if, if you want to emphasize that something could or could not happen, you say, it might could, right? Or I'm fixing to. And there are some that are so colloquial someone who is maybe talk without any reality is all hat and no cattle, right? Somebody's living together without marriage, they're hitched but not churched, right? I say some of these now, this ain't my first rodeo, right? Or are you going to fish or cut bait? I had to learn that one. Or that dog won't hunt, right? And there are some that are uh, funny. A longer one, that, that guy is, is, is so ugly. His mama takes him everywhere she goes so that she won't have to kiss him goodbye. <laughs> And I have heard at maybe every other wedding, especially about the groom, hey, you, you clean up real good, right? But there are some that are used in the church. I actually had an usher in the first church I served that as he handed bulletins to people coming in, maybe it's happened here too. I've, I've mentioned it here once, I think. He'd say to people, y'all, come in and get yourself some religion. Right. And you may think that today's sermon title is 
such a phrase. That's what made me think of those. Come to Jesus. If somebody has a spiritual awakening, maybe after something tragic, an accident or a bad medical diagnosis, they have their come to Jesus moment, right? Really based on the practice of other denominations of having an altar call, your come to Jesus moment. But that's not what this sermon title says. If you look at it carefully, the word come is in quotation marks. I did this to make you think about it. Come to Jesus. Put a question mark by it. What does it mean? Good Lutheran question. What does this mean? Come, as Jesus says here. What does it mean to Jesus? You can tell from the, the, the bulk of his words here. Come, he says. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does this invitation, come, mean to Jesus? Well, first of all, it, it shows that he recognizes the need here. You need what he is offering. He recognizes you are laboring and, and heavy laden. And that can be in all kinds of ways. It could be with earthly problems you're facing, struggling with finances or medical issues or relationships here on earth. But I think it means much more than that. I think it's a spiritual, eternal laboring that besets us most of all. You heard Paul in Romans chapter 7 wrestling with his own flesh. The good that I want to do, I, I, I don't. We labor and we're so heavy laden in our relationship with God by nature in our sin. This, this language Jesus used elsewhere when he described the Pharisees and other religious leaders saying that you put on men's shoulders Burdens that are too heavy to bear. Same, same words used there. As we initially look at our relationship with God, maybe you do it at the end of the day, looking back on your sins. There's that burden of, of, of guilt. We know the Bible says, be ye perfect. It's not enough just to compare ourselves with others. It's not enough to think, well, maybe God grades on a curve. No. I'm supposed to be perfect in God's eyes and I'm not. What a burden to bear. Jesus recognizes. Indeed, more than that, of course, he carries it for you. He comes to you. I think it's an amazing, maybe subtle truth of God's word that he sympathizes and empathizes with you. Of course, incarnate as true man here bearing all your sin and the sorrow and the punishment it deserves. But even in the Old Testament, you look at the first sin, Adam and Eve tried to solve it themselves, first hiding, then covering. What a burden to bear. God came and offered the solution. A descendant of Eve would crush the devil's head and it's because God knew they couldn't solve it themselves. As Jesus says, come to you, he knows what you're going through in earthly terms, in eternal terms, and he pulls you to himself. 
When Jesus says come, it is an invitation that pulls. And I got to tell you, the reason I emphasize this word today is because it's the same word I emphasized last Sunday in the sermon. It wasn't in our text earlier in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus said, follow after me and carry your cross. But I highlighted other sections, especially where Jesus calls his disciples by the sea and says, come, follow me. It's the same word here in Matthew, and I'll refresh your memory if you were here, tell you if you weren't. That word is an interesting word in Greek. It looks like a verb, a command, but it really isn't. I used the Schinnerer translation last week of yo, <laughs> or hey, as, as Christ pulls us to himself. It came up again in portals of prayer last week. I, I will mention something as an aside here today when you hear things repeated from God's word in your life pay attention he does this in scripture repeating his messages to people and this is on my heart and mind these days I researched it more this week and I got a better translation this week not just yo or hey it's an adverb adverbial form I know this is technical but a, a, and a more exact translation might be hitherto in other words he's drawing you as he says come it's like an invitation that tells you about a good party but not only gives you the information and maybe you know commands you to come it draws you to go and Jesus calls you come and pulls you to himself now last week also I shared some personal things about this pastor not too personal that I like to fly fish and that I like classic movies as I showed you a clip from Ben-Hur well one more this week I want to introduce you to some members of our house if you can see there these three live with us two, one, only one was expected by the way those are the dogs in our house right now and all three are different the one in the middle is the one we intended to have. She's about eight years old now. Trinity is her name. Uh, named after the, the river, not after the church or the god. We call her, though, the triune dog. <laughs> and she was a rescue. All three were. And she is the best dog. Everybody says that, but this one is. This dog loves us. This dog obeys us. I will tell you, this dog has the most velvety coat you have ever touched. And she is a sweetheart. And she hears my commands and she obeys because she wants to. I have stopped her dead in her tracks chasing a rabbit and said, Trinity, no, come. And she stops and turns and comes back. That's amazing. She loves me more than chasing that rabbit. The one on the right, however, is a rescue that was supposed to be my mother-in-law's dog, but it didn't work out, and now she's ours. And her name, I don't know why, is Joy. 
<laughs> and she's a handful. She, you, you might even tell from this picture taken by my son that, that she, she can understand all your commands. She, she, she's got it in her head. She's a smart dog, but her heart is not always with you. A, a, re, a rescue from a severe situation. She, she's got issues of trust. And she knew that Joseph was telling her to sit at this moment, and she would not. <laughs> she wondered, what's going on? And the one on the left is my daughter's dog. She lives in Austin and brings that dog with her and even leaves that dog with us when she's not there. And that dog and I have issues. I don't know what I did when I first met her, but that dog is so scared of me. Will not come near me, will not listen to me. And I think those three dogs can maybe encapsulate and illustrate what happens when Jesus says, come. There are some like Trinity whose heart and head are there. They know the invitation. They know God's word and they want to follow however difficult it may be because they know the grace in those words. There are some like Joy who maybe know it in their heads. Maybe people in our pews today in God's house, maybe studying his word, but, but applying it and living it is hard for their heart. And there are some like that other dog, I won't even call her by name, <laughs> who are estranged from Jesus, not, not hearing his word, maybe even afraid, going their own way in this world, maybe with other gods or selfish pursuits. But as you get close to Jesus and the, the trust builds, you hear his invitation and he pulls you to him. He says things about himself here. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Know me, he says. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle, some translations say meek. It is the word in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. And it's not weak, but meek. It's a very strong word. It is, it is that, that, that strength that, that doesn't force. This is the one who summons you, the most powerful of all, the creator of all, and yet not forcing you, pulling you, holding you, hugging you. Indeed, gentle and lowly, that's simply the word for humble there, low. Again, he comes first to you to draw you to himself. So humble that he would go all the way to your damnation and hell on the cross and say, I'll pull you from that. And then exalted with his strength gives you his eternal gifts. When Jesus says come, it means the result here, I will give you rest. I'll come back to that for the conclusion of the message here today. But he also goes on to emphasize, you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You may have heard translations or explanations of that verse. 
that's so his yoke is fitting is what the word can mean appropriate it may even come from a root meaning grace what Jesus puts on your shoulders is his grace indeed the, the lightness of knowing he has done everything for you and just wants you to come along indeed with rest it is the word in the Greek Old Testament used for the Sabbath and of course as we sang in the previous hymns it's the eternal rest that we all have after trudging through this veil of tears laboring with earthly problems struggling with our own sin but having Christ's grace and it is the rest that comes coordinated so often as you find it in the Bible with the work we must do you you gotta have that rest this congregation, in case you don't know, is studying sabbaticals for her church workers. And that's a great thing. Not only for public church workers, but all you who are laboring. You need that rest. You got it. You got it right now as you simply sit and receive the invitation of Jesus to do all the work for you. It is done with his life and death and resurrection. There is one other phrase used in Texas. I had forgotten until I found this list on the internet. When somebody is really blessed, you can describe them as, you got more than you can say grace over, right? Well, you don't have to say grace. Jesus says it here, and it gives you more and more and more. Come, he says, you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Amen.